Canary P.I. <laughs> What's that, a pet store? The Canary P.I. audio drama podcast, Tales of the Peculiar Through the Eyes of Your Favorite Gumshoe. Well, maybe one of them. Listen to our newest two-hour saga titled Reminisce to Remember and our remastered season one show is being released now. Aliens have your husband's head in a jar and the toaster stealing from you. Tell to Rod Serling, maybe I'll buy you a ham sandwich for the rights. Canary P.I. Available in most places podcasts are found. Beautiful, aren't they? Ah, sometimes I imagine what it could be like to be so carefree, to have such beautiful wings take me anywhere within this world. Their radiant glow reminds me so much of fireflies. I glance at the crumpled scrap of paper for the millionth time, my heart fluttering faster than a hummingbird's wings. My eyes scale up the brick of Waterbury Factory the bustle of the automobiles and clamor of soot-tinted male gawkers fading into the background as my heels climb the steps to my future. Daddy would have called me a harlot for my rouged pinched cheeks, but he was six feet in the earth with mother and could roll next to her for all I cared. He was a drunk and a cad. Besides, I'm sure it was more than the hue of my cheeks securing my employment at the largest watch factory on the East Coast. With war, Breaching our spangled shores, university was all but a dream. With no prospects, and with no plans after high school graduation, it was fate my flatmate had an inn at the factory. I couldn't fathom selling myself on the streets like some of the other women occupying my building, but a girl gotta eat. My sweat-riddled palm coasted my skirt a final time before I pushed the heavy wooden doors open, entering the factory. A mousy blonde with round, wide frames smiles at me from behind a large mahogany desk. Good morning. Do you have an appointment? I flash her a pristine smile, drawing my shoulders back. Yes, I have an appointment with Mr. Sinclair. My name is Ruth Reed. I'm to begin employment here today. The young secretary nods, turning towards the telecommunication box. Please have a seat. 
Mr. Sinclair will be right with you. Relief fills me as I spare a moment to collect myself. Breathe, Ruth. You are strong. You are capable. Like the heroine in your favorite pictures, Olivia Burden's smoky doe eyes spring to the forefront of my mind, bombing my tempered soul. I close my eyes, attempting to infuse her confidence and core charm to my bones. <clears throat> a throat clears, startling me out of my daydreams, my chin lifting to find a handsome man smiling down at me. His suit is crisply pressed, his lapels sporting a miniature silver watch pendant. Miss Ray? Ah, yes. How do you do? I stumble to my feet, extending my embarrassingly moist hands towards the gentleman. Daddy didn't teach me much, but one thing he stressed was the importance of a good handshake. You can measure a grit of a man with five palm clasp, he'd say. The man's green eyes arched in surprise as I pumped his wrist with jubilant vehemence. Mighty fine to make your acquaintance, Miss Reed. My name is Henry Sinclair, and I'm the new CEO of Waterbury Watches. Are you ready for your first day? I nearly gasped in surprise. The CEO? Giving me? A tour? I swallow as my nerves quake my stomach but managed to nod and smile at my new boss. Yes, I'm very ready, Mr. Sinclair. Mr. Sinclair chuckles, tisking me like I'm a schoolchild. Miss Reed, Miss Sinclair was my father. Please, Henry is just fine, if you will. He sweeps his arm out, cueing me to the hallway on the left of the secretary station. I was in awe the moment I crossed the threshold. The factory was even larger inside buzzing with the energy of a hornet's nest in the middle of June. Women and men scurried between the floors, most giving a small nod in our direction. Mrs. Sinclair beamed at each face, an outward pride illuminating his eyes as he moved through the factory. Tell me, Miss Reed. Ruth, I corrected on instinct before tripping over my forgotten manners. I suppose if I address you as Henry, there is no sense in you addressing me so formally. So Ruth, just Ruth, will do. I was rambling, but the fledgling CEO didn't seem to mind or notice. Ruth it is. Now tell me, how did you hear of the position? My flatmate, Jean McAllister, told me about the opening. Ah, yes, Jean. Very skilled work, although I'm not sure if you'll have a flatmate much longer, I'm afraid. My eyebrows sew together, as concern leaps across my face. Oh, excuse me. Apologies if I cause you some worry. What I mean is, with her spectacular work, we have promoted her to a higher and more lucrative position. Naturally, I presumed, with the new influx income, you'd find yourself one less flatmate. I nod, my heart soaring at the possibilities. I knew the factory's pay was extremely advantageous, but never in my wildest dreams did I imagine I'd afford the opportunity to climb so high. As you know, my father started this factory a few years before I was born. You'll find we are a family-based business, Ruth. We value our employees along with the work they do for us. When you're with Waterbury, we hope you'll be with us for life. Once you settle in, I'll be sure to set up a full factory tour for you. In the interim, the main offices and payroll on the fifth floor. Designers are stationed on level four, then assembly and processing our floors three to one. You'll be working with the majority of the female staff in room 137. Henry pushes a wooden door open with frosted glass ushering me inside gingerly. I enter the bustling room, 
my mouth flopping open like a guppy on a boat deck. Luminescent angels chattering and fluttering between the hazy yellow clouds within the painter's room. As we move further into the workspace, a few backs zip straighter, while a handful of braziers tip forward to bat their chiffon lashes. Trays towering with bare faces sit patiently waiting for their final stage of manufacturing. Next to each watch tray lay a crucible, fine tip paint, and vials. As we continue down the row of industry ladies, my chosen attire dimmed the further we go down. Next to the other women, my choice of clothing was muted, leaving me less impressed with my ensemble for the first day. My brown tights and rose skirt feel more like a schoolgirl's attire than a career woman's armor. Ruth, this is Vera. Vera is our rising star, having been awarded the title of pop painter in the last seven weeks. I have no doubt she'll have you settled and diligent completing your lot of trays in no time. Hot pink hues seep across Vera's cheeks at Henry's compliment, her large brown eyes gazing towards the man with shy admiration. Thank you, Mr. St. Clair. You are far too kind. Vera, please. It's Henry. Can't have my star painter address me so formal. Henry's arm snakes around Vera's willowy frame, tucking her into his side with a gentle squeeze. Vera's skin blazes to near violet as a few whispers of jealousy buzzes behind us. Henry, if you please, I would like to get... Ruth. Ruth Reed. Ruth, situated and on her way. We have quite the goal today. Very well. I'll leave you ladies to it. Keep up the good work, everyone! Henry turns, striding from the room, but not without some heavy gawking from the hands in the room. My, he is certainly a charmer, isn't he? Vera shrugs, not interested in discussing our shared employer. She coughs slightly before clearing her throat. <laughs> Mr. St. Clair is a generous man, but only if your performance meets his standards. I think I can manage. I'm sure you'll do well. Now, work starts at 8 a.m. sharp. We are allowed two smoke breaks and one hour lunch, with punch out promptly at 5 p.m. All unfinished work can be left on the station to be completed on the following day. You'll receive a tray of watches each morning you are responsible to complete. The foreman tallies your completed faces at the end of each day, and you'll be paid two cents per approved completed design. Most girls are able to complete 200 or more in a day. Your station is equipped with paintbrushes, a mixing crucible, and you will find vials of unconcentrated undark in the supply cabinets over there. Vera points to the front of the room, where a metal cabinet sits dressed in a light veil of dust. Undark? The radium for the paint. We just mix it each morning ourselves, and then we are off to the races. I nod, taking it all in. Two cents? Her design, my mind swam at the possibilities of my financial gain. No wonder women fought daily to get even a nail in this place. When I saw Jean, I had to thank her for helping me secure my place at the top of the pyramid of life. Now, let's paint some faces. The day whizzes by in a blink. The women in room 137 were an interesting bunch. 
I learned we were not the only room of watch painters, but there were a total of 200 painters occupying space within the factory. I was glad to only be subjected to 30 at a given moment. They were all a highly competitive bunch, each vying for the illustrious top painter position. I flexed my fingers as my tired feet shuffled me towards the punch-out box. Hey, Ruth! I turned, finding Vera gliding toward me. The shy woman's glowing smile peeling my own lips apart to match. Her brilliant smile transforming her features from the shy girl I worked beside all day, making me think there was more to her. As she moves close, I notice her vibrant green eyes are outlined by intricate designs of pink swirls matching the pink pattern of her dress. I'm glad I was able to catch you. How did your first day turn out? My weariness ebbs as the image of a neat stack of hundred watches I turned into the foreman glazes over my mind. The work was tedious, but earning two dollars in just one day? I had never earned so much so quickly before. I think I did all right for my first day. Certainly will take some time becoming accustomed to all the taste of radium. How do you stand it? It's like licking the undercarriage of a rock. My face wrinkles as the earthy taste of the paint comes to mind. Vera frowns for a moment at my commentary before her brows iron out. I guess I've just never noticed. In order to save time and keep our brushes finely tipped, I was instructed to lick or wet the bristles with my tongue as I work. I was nervous at first, however. Vera ensured its lack of toxicity. Besides, numerous makeup brands listed radium in their active ingredients. I even heard rumors of radium water coolers at upscale dance halls and spas. Anyhow, do you have plans tonight, Ruth? Some of the girls are going to the blind stork for some dancing. I shake my head, the ache in my hand igniting again as I pull the lever of the punch-out machine. Mmm, maybe some other time. A look of dejection simmers in Vera's radiant eyes, but her smile doesn't waver. Another time it is. Have a pleasant evening, Ruth. See you tomorrow. We wave our goodbyes before parting. I want to make sure I'm good and settled before tackling the late night parties with the other girls. A few loose-lipped ladies whispered at lunch about a number of girls being terminated recently for poor craftsmanship, and I refused to fall into that category, regardless of how tempting the invitation was. I wonder if Henry attends these scandalized revels. As I put on my nightgown and crawl into bed, I notice a light film on my fingertips, illuminating the fine swirls and dips of my print against the dark room. I marvel at the electric light before swiping the dust on my cheek painting myself like the women in the factory. A smile befalls my lips before I'm swiftly carried into a dreamless sleep. My first day at Waterbury Factory feels like a lifetime ago as I scuttle down the hall with the other women. Our day is finally over. Two months have passed since my induction, and I still thank the stars for placing me here. Granted, the work cramps my hand and many faces come and go, 
but this is the way of business. Ruth! I turn as I punch out, smiling at Vera. Her skin looks quite radiant today. However, her normally bouncy blonde hair is limp like hay. Everything okay, Vera? My friend waves me off, yet I don't miss the grimace that swims in her blue eyes. Just a bit of a headache and a throat tickle. Nothing to be concerned about. What I am concerned with, though, is when you will finally accompany me to the blind stork. A laugh bubbles from my chest as I push out into the cool fall air. Witten time always reminds me of a parade as caravans of people take to the streets in a myriad of colors at the day's end. The bustle of the street wipes my concerns to the side before I have time to claim it. I believe tonight I am free. Vera squeals in exuberant delight, her knobbed hands clacking together, catching the curious gaze of a few pedestrians. I was never one for crowds and had few friends over the years. This leap into the world felt monumentous and slightly overwhelming. As if sensing my internal quarrel, Vera digs in her purse for a piece of paper, quickly jotting down a few details before thrusting the paper into my hand. I'll meet you here at 8 o'clock. It's going to be so much fun. Vera flings her arms around me and I laugh, squeezing her back. <laughs> I can't wait. Blind stork wasn't what I expected. With the tight hold the government held on the liquor, and those who bootlegged it, I'd have thought a bustling nightclub in the heart of town was out of the question. Instead, I found men and women of all stations vying for entry into the hottest place in town. Vera waved me over the moment I crossed the threshold. A polite maitre d' procured my coat and gloves. All eyes were on Vera and the other factory women surrounding her, and I suppose on me as well. Each wore elegant party dresses and flamboyant colors, their hair pinned in knots and curls. However, this was not the focus of the room. It was the phosphorescent paint, inking their eyelids and outlining cheeks, stirring the room into a roaring buzz. Everyone is staring at us. My observation sends the group into a fit of giggles. Of course they are. <laughs> they wish they were us. Evelyn tosses back her drink, her glowing eyes half-lidded from the booze. The Fireflies are the most coveted group in town. Who wouldn't want to be one of us? Fireflies? That's what they call us. Vera answers my question, sliding a glass of something clear into my hand. Because we glow in the night. Here. She passes me her drink to dig in her purse. With a triumphant squeal, Vera produces a small jar of undock. Close your eyes. I do as I'm told, allowing Vera to induct me into her exclusive circle. There. Now you are perfect. I flutter my eyes at her, casting her into another giggle fit. Vera laughs so hard she begins to choke. Rushing me to her side to thrush a drink in her hand, she gulps down before gasping loudly, her trembling hands ghosting her throat. Are you all right? Yes, yes. I just can't seem to chase this tickle away from my throat. I'm sure it was something else you were chasing with your throat that caused it. Evelyn chortles at her <laughs> own joke, a few others sneering at the comment as well. 
My cheeks blaze from the lewd comment, but Vera merely waves it away. Through all my lunches, I learned Vera was quite the woman compared to the mousy thing I first encountered. She claimed her personal life was no business within the confines of Waterbury's walls. It was why she refused to gawk or swoon over Henry, like the rest of us. Nothing wrong with satisfying a certain urge when the opportunity arises. I have no doubt you satisfy many that rise to the occasion. Evelyn bats her lashes at Vera, who laughs, not even remotely moved by the jab. At least I leave them satisfied. Come on, Ruth. Dance with me. Before another word is uttered, Vera steers me to the dance floor, and I allow the music to sweep me and Evelyn's rude comments away. I'm barely able to keep my lids open the next day, as I struggle through my daily quota. Even Vera is her less than chip herself. Her cough from the previous <coughs> evening persists, leaving her to hold a handkerchief to her mouth the majority of the day. More than once, I caught her hand racking with tremors as sweat beads along her pinched brow. She didn't sit with me during our lunch hour, electing to spend the time in the washroom. I checked on her once before she shooed me out, immediately saying she was a wreck beyond repair and refused my comfort. Despite her stubbornness, I resigned myself to the bench outside the washroom door. My apple sits unmarred in my clammy hands as I listen to Vera's coughing fit. Eating lunch alone today? My eyes fly up to find Henry standing before me, his hands resting casually in the pockets of his navy blue slacks. His handsome smile races my heart's legs. Our interactions were sparing, but these small moments left my head spinning in the clouds, dreaming of things a man of his station would never afford me. I'm... I'm waiting for Vera. Poor thing. Hasn't been feeling quite like herself. Well, if she is feeling ill, I see no harm in sending her home for the day. Henry took the seat next to me. My body turned to face him fully. Our knees rested a hair's breadth apart. My skin itching to close the distance, but not eager to push the boundaries. I highly doubt she'll admit how ill she actually is. Besides, if she misses too many days, she'll fall behind and possibly lose her position. And who told you that nonsense? I'm the boss, after all. Vera, like yourself, a valued employee. I wouldn't dream of letting either of you go. My cheeks warm at his words, but I am woefully unprepared for the gentle squeeze he delivers my bare knee before rising. Take care, Ruth, and tell Vera she needs to excuse herself for the day. The boss said it was okay. I nod and rewarded with a dazzling smile before Henry takes his leave. If I could swoon on the spot without appearing as a drunk, I would have. Instead, I take a bite of my apple, hoping its sweet tang will settle my worrisome stomach. As I move my first bite to the side molars, reveling in the taut goodness, a spike of pain lances along my jaw. I cry out in alarm, the apple dropping from my hand as I brace my cheek against the throbbing pain. My gums pulse as I massage the pain away. My teeth were in pristine condition. That I had no doubt in. Must have been the angle of the bite, 
My thoughts are dashed as Vera emerges from the restroom, her once vibrant face sporting a yellowish hue. Vera, are you alright? Maybe you should excuse yourself for the rest of the day. You really should see a doctor. She waves off my concern with a handkerchief. Something on the thin material catches my eye, my fingers locking around her wrist to inspect the cloth. Red splotches decorate its face like unwanted polka dots. Vera. I'm fine. Just leave it be, Ruth. I can manage one more day. My lips purse together, but I say nothing, electing to loop my arms through hers and walk us back to our workroom. The cloud of radium dust hanging in the room seems larger today. Or maybe it's the irritating presence to my friend's lungs has me more aware of it. By the time we are finished, Vera can barely hold her brush steady, and my face throbs so immensely I'm certain my cheek is ballooned to the size of a watermelon. The ensuing days heed little respite. Vera doesn't return to work, allowing rumors to spread like a virus through the work rooms. Whispers of syphilis dance among the radium dust clouds. Each day Vera doesn't appear. My jaw hasn't fed much better. Each day, the right side of my face aches with immense intention. Nights are easier, as I'm able to medicate with copious tumblers of whiskey at the blind store. I've taken to painting my face in the same fashion as the other fireflies, even mixing rouge and other colors to garner my eyes with an array of phosphorescent designs. However, no amount of paint or brown liquor can quell the fiery pain that wakes me each morning. My waist has seen the only benefit in all the turmoil, as I've restricted myself to soups and easily swallowed foods. On the plus side, Henry takes his lunches more and more with me. We sit together in the hall benches, conversing on all matters of subject, or sometimes nothing at all. I don't miss the concern lying in his handsome cheeks, though. As soon as my aches subside, I hope you will finally ask me to dinner. I stare in the mirror at the gaunt girl who claims she is me, but can't truly be. There is a callow sheen to my skin, and no amount of radium I apply restores it to its once effervescent tone. The pain in my jaw pounds against my teeth, making me swallow hard at the side of my toothbrush. Lately, any minuscule touches to the right side of my mouth results in debilitating pain, which I am becoming accustomed to expect. I asked the dentist weeks ago to pull whatever infected tooth out for some relief. However, he found no cause in my mandible for the pain. Only red irritation merely sent me home with a bottle of cane to apply for my troubles, the quack. I take a breath, then reach for the powder to cover my limpid appearance. The powder puff is an inch from my cheek when I notice a black spot on the edge of my crooning jaw. A pimple? Or a smudge, perhaps? Setting the puff down, I press close to the mirror, allowing my dull eyes to examine the spot further. A circular black spot, no bigger than a pinhead, gleams back at me with shaking fingers. I gingerly touch the area, 
Normal pain accompanies the touch, but no worse than any other day. Stealing myself, I press my index finger against the mop, attempting to pop the blemish before applying the remainder of my makeup. Tears well in my eyes as poker-hot agony licks along my jaw, but my focus is solely on the spot. At first, nothing comes of it, but then slowly, black ooze unfurls from the blemish. I wrench my fingers away, coughing as putrid smell of decay fills the space. Is, is that smell from me? Horrified, I throw myself back to the mirror, determination lining my fingers to rid myself completely of the pimple. I press harder and harder, still as more material expels from underneath my skin. Blood begins to mingle with buttery discharge, coating my fingernails, but I pay little mind. I'm nearly in the bowl of the sink, my nose smashed against the glass of the mirror, my hot breath fogging my view when my fingers slip. A sickening, wet rip sounds as I gasp in pained relief and horror. Tears flow freely as I stare at what has become of my face. With black ruby fingers, I reach up to my face, a scream gurgling in my esophagus. Where the mistaken black pimple was now stands a gaping quarter-size hole in my face. A piece of sloughed flesh dangles with mocking ire from the mirror as the full picture grows before me. My jawline undulates like a nicked artery as sewage-tainted purulence cascades from the mouth of my wound. Ebon-stitched muscles peer out from the exposed opening as the hole grows larger, eating up the side of my face as if the heinous discharge were composed of acid. The caps of my molars peek from their cage, springing me into action. Frantically, I turn the tap on, allowing scolding hot water to flutter to laugh. With furious movements, I splash the water on my wound, hoping to flush out the infection. Thick, mucus paste curdles in the drain, clogging it in moments. I don't look back into the mirror at the heinous mess of my face. Instead, I snatch a silk-printed scarf from my vanity, hastily tying it to my head, ensuring the offended wound is covered, then make my way to Waterbury Factory. The factory is in peak operation as I storm through the gates. The secretary startles as I flash past her, not willing to heed her protests. One's instinct should be rushing towards the doctor, but I couldn't bear being poked and prodded by strangers. For all my time in this city, I only amassed two real friendships, Vera and Henry. I scurry up the five flights of stairs, praying Henry's in his office. If this disfigurement is caused by something in his factory, he'll want to know right away. Vera's laughing face tumbles through my mind as I round the steps. Were our afflictions one and the same? Relief cools my veins as I round the corner, spotting Henry just leaving his office. At the sound of my fervent heels, he turns in my direction, a smile corner his lips before it drops, taking in my expression. Ruth, Ruth, what's the matter? Oh, Henry! I collapse in his warm embrace, 
tears flowing freely, ruining his suede suit. Come into my office. We'll sort out whatever is happening. I allow him to guide me into his office. The room is slightly furnished with an oak desk and a red leather couch. His evening coat hangs neatly on a hook, next to a hat and a mirror. My eyes quickly averting as to not catch my reflection. Watch prototypes lie in shambolic piles along the top of his desk. Their guts and inner workings scatter like puzzle pieces. He gently pushes me onto the red couch, our bodies pressing close, affording me his soothing warmth. Now, tell me what's happened. The words suddenly leave me, as Henry's troubled green eyes take me in. My chapped lips part then close, the movement searing pain down my jaw and throat. Ruth, please, I can't help you unless you tell me what's the matter. His pleading eyes and feathering caress along my thigh do me in. Something, something terrible has happened. I, I didn't know who else to turn to. I'm glad you felt you had come to me. You know I'm here for whatever you need. I nod weakly. I think, I think something is wrong with the radiant paint. The paint? Henry's eyes furrow, not following my train of thought. Yes, uh, no, I'm not sure at all, really. But ever since I started working here, I've developed these pains. They've grown worse and worse. Oh, Henry, today, today is worse of all. My voice sloshes as I battle the pain in my face with the truth of my predicament. I feel, I feel crazy, but I'm turning into a monster. A monster? My head bobs as speech fails me. Is that why you've wrapped your face up like a leper? Surely it can't be that bad. I turn away in shame, unable to show him the truth of my deformity. Show me. I shake my head, now afraid of what he'll find. A beat passes, then Henry guides my face back to him. With steady hands, he reaches for the tie at the hollow of my neck. I don't dare to take my eyes off of his as he slowly unwraps the silk scarf. As the last piece falls away, I feel a tug against my jaw. A moist snap slaps the air between us, vaulting me to my feet, my hands instantly going to my injured face. Henry shoots to stand with me, my bloody pus-drenched scarf slipping from his deaf fingers. I back away, unwilling to show him the extent of it. Ruth, Ruth, stop. I'm too hot. My skin ignites as fresh tears stain my mutilated flesh. Henry reaches out, pulling my hands away from my face. My right hand comes away coated with viscous, sticky discharge, smattered with broken flesh. The cool air of the office licks against my jaw and throat as something hot dribbles down my neck. I look down to find black blood, soiling the color of my dress. It's gonna be okay, Ruth, I promise. Everything will be okay. Come with me. Henry ushers me from the room with a stern hand on the lower of my back. However, it is not fast enough for me to miss my reflection in the small mirror next to his coat hook. A clean piece of skin was peeled away and the removal of my scarf, revealing charred muscles cross-stitched through a glowing jawbone. Blood mixed with putrid green ichor leaks weakly from randomized locations down my jaw to my throat. 
Mamoa's are no longer white, but blacker than death's robes. I look like a ghoul in a child's nightmare, coming to collect their souls for hell. Don't look, Ruth. Henry's command is far too late as he pushes me out into the quiet hallway. He leads me toward the stairs, guiding me down all five flights and into the belly of the factory. We are greeted by a long hallway, my eyes squinting to take in wispy cobs and discarded junk. Maybe, maybe he's taking me to underground carport? Henry? Don't worry, Ruth. I've got you. I'm soothed by his words as we turn a corner, finding a heavy lead door. Henry fishes a key from his pocket, then wrenches the behemoth wide, beckoning me inside. I expect to find his vehicle, but instead, find rows and rows of nightmarish figures sitting under dim light. Skeletal faces turn towards us, some ignoring us to continue working on clock faces, while others wail and thrash, begging for freedom. And every face resembles some state of my own. A woman next to me looks over before resuming her work, but I don't miss the empty socket of her left eye. Bile wars in my stomach as I attempt to back away, but strong hands lock onto my shoulders, forcing me to walk down the row of ghastly women. Exposed throat muscles and concave noses line some while oozing chins and rotting teeth display others. Each monstrosity seems worse than the next, until we stop next to a familiar frame. Vera! I leap onto my lost friend, whose bony arms wrap around me. I lean back to inspect her further, when suddenly Vera doubles over, a malicious cough racking her frame. Spittle coats my face, rearing me back into Henry's body. I feel as Henry pats his pockets, then produces a wadded handkerchief, passing it to Vera. She snatches it with a glare as another fit of coughs takes hold of her. <coughs> That's when I notice her throat. Ruby black racing stripes run the length of her throat, disappearing under the collar of her dirty dress. Honeycomb punctures within the exposed skin ooze black excrement as Vera coughs her skeletal fingers dabbing her mouth and sores to sop up the fluid. I whirl on Henry, ready to demand answers when cool metal circles and closes around my wrist. Don't worry, Ruth. You'll still be able to do your work from here. I told you, I always take care of my staff. You're forever part of the family. Down here, you'll always be my firefly girl. This has been a Morbid Boris production. And on this week's episode, you've heard Firefly, written by Naomi Richards, with narration by Naomi Richards, Sean Moreau, Glinda Villamar, Devin Bohr, and Kathy Tran. Our theme music this season is For I Have Died Long Ago Inside This Place by Valentine Wolf. Don't forget to check out our friends Canary P.I. and... If you liked Glinda's voice, you can also check her out on her podcast, 
Glinda Blast Your Ears Off. I'll go ahead and leave a link to both shows down in the show notes. Follow us on Twitter or X, Instagram, Discord, and Threads to stay up to date on all the happenings within the forest. Interested in more morsels of the forest? Then join our Patreon. As a faithful traveler, you'll receive exclusive access to early episodes, bonus series, and deals on merch. That's patreon.com slash themorbidforest. Loving the season so far? Then leave us a five-star rating and help us track down more lonesome travelers just like you. Thank you so much for joining us, travelers, and we'll see you next time on The Morbid Forest.